This is Limitless Possibility. I'm Luc Olivier Dumablet. And I'm Yannick Magnan. And I know I should ask you what's our topic for this week, but I'm super excited that we'll be talking about this topic. So what's our topic for this week, Yannick? We're going to be talking about the 2016 Shinkai Makoto movie, Your Name. Good. But before we start, I have some follow-up. And it's just one element, and it is from our past episode where we were doing our WBC extravaganza. Uh, and the main reason I bring it up again is because one of the sessions by Yannick was about what's new in Mac Catalyst. And if you're an iOS dev and we're not following the news, Apple, like last year with SwiftUI, released this year an official Mac Catalyst tutorial on their website. So I'll put a link in the show notes. It's about, according to their estimates, three hours and 25 minutes. And it is guiding you to, to uh, transform one of the demo apps, which is an iPad app, into a Mac app using all the Catalyst API. So I haven't played with it uh, just yet because I was setting it up just before we were recording to just start looking at it and I realized that you need a uh, Xcode 12 beta 2 at least and we're at beta 3 so that's not too bad but you also need a, a Mac OS 11 Big Sur uh, and that's a bit hard for me to get so I'll see what I can do in the next few weeks uh, because I really want to go through this tutorial. So if you're uh, a curious person and or also have installed uh, a courageous person and you have installed macOS Big Sur, uh, you can just go have fun with uh, macOS and learn it throughout this uh, Apple tutorial. The main reason I pimped it is because last year that was kind of the first I would say it's kind of a big first from Apple. They didn't didn't do too much in the past like 10, 20 years with uh, macOS and even uh, with AppKit, excuse me, and even with UIKit. Those types of like tutorial, they have example code, but they were like completed and that's it. So they kind of were using the same type of content you would see on other websites that was uh, building tutorials for developers to follow. And now but built by Apple, and of course, it looks beautiful and it's quite nicely built as a tutorial. So I strongly suggest that you go through it. Good, and that is it for follow-up. So Yannick, let's start with our topic. All right, so you may have heard this throughout uh, the last two episodes when we've been teasing that we were going to talk about this. Uh, I strongly suggest that if you are interested in watching movies at all that you watch this movie and that you go in blind if possible uh, because I find it to be a much better experience that way um, that said there are two versions of the movie there's the sub version and the dub version and one thing that we did not mention on the previous episodes because we had not noticed it before the previous episodes was wait, that wait, and before I bought the movie the wrong movie too that's also good yes uh, so there are two versions of this movie. There's Japanese audio with English subtitles, and there is English audio. Uh, I highly recommend the subbed version over the dubbed version. And you need to be very careful because many digital platforms, including YouTube and iTunes, list the subbed and dubbed version separately. And in fact, in I, I rented on YouTube, and it was a mess because like you could only find the dubbed version via search, and you had to... like click I think once or twice on related videos to actually get to the subbed version which is a terrible experience um, and knowing this I think I'm going to put links in the show notes uh, to both YouTube and iTunes versions of these show, uh, of these movies uh, both the subs and the dubs if you're interested in watching both or either one 
I don't know if they're going to work in all regions, but we tried. <laughs> Be careful. I do have a small rant, if you don't mind. It's not really about the, the your name itself, but about iTunes. So I personally love to buy all my movies on iTunes. Like since uh, in Canada, we were able to get movies on iTunes. Like it's my go-to. And I really, rarely, rarely, I think, I think the, it took like what? Maybe in the last five years, I never bought any Blu-rays or DVDs. But I think one of the biggest regression with iTunes compared to physical medias, especially here uh, in Quebec, where when you buy the um, the Blu-ray or the DVD version, you have, because it's North American edition, you get English, uh, English dub, French dub, and even like, Spanish dub. Um, and for sure, throughout the day, usually I... More or less, uh, just watch watch the original English uh, dub, not dub version, but just like the English track uh, on North American movies. But sometimes we watch it with some of my family members or some of my younger family members. And of course, it's always nice to have uh, the French track too. But on a lot of movies, not all of them, and that's the kind of a, a fun uh, ninja trick you need to learn and uh, be better at uh, is that you not you really need to make sure before you buy a movie on iTunes uh, to make sure that you go look at the list of supported languages because what I've seen and what we've seen here is let's say I wanted to buy the uh, dub French version which also includes the original English version I need to search the movie by its French name because it is the French version name that will have that. Uh, and I guess, well, after talking about Enik, when I clicked buy on your name dub, then I saw dub in parentheses. I was like, oh no! Tried to cancel the purchase, but it was too late. I clicked buy already. So yeah, I kind of made those mistakes and it was a bit sad because I was really in the, like, really minded uh, to watch first the sub version, as Yannick suggested, and then watch the dub version. But with that purchase in the iTunes movie store, uh, the, iTunes, the Canadian iTunes movie stores, I didn't want to buy it twice, so I just end up watching the dub version. Interesting. Uh, I've seen this movie seven times. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, so I saw it in a regular theater, then I realized... Oh, that- that's true. I forgot about this, that you watch it at theater in theaters in Japan. Yeah, and then I realized that before my trip was over, I could catch an IMAX screening of it, so I saw it in IMAX. I've seen oh, it. Oh, nice. Then I got on the plane back home and I realized that Air Canada had a special deal with Comics Wave uh, movies where they actually were airing your name in airplanes before it came out anywhere else uh, abroad. So you could watch it with subs on the plane. So I've seen it four times on the plane because that's about how many <laughs> times you can watch it on the way back home from Japan. And then I rewatched it for the show. So seven times. Wow. I'd like to know, though, I'd like to know, maybe it's going to already spoiler alert, but I didn't rent it. I did say I'm, I bought it, right? Yeah. So I could watch it seven times if I want to. I just yeah, I didn't you... want to buy two versions, uh, but who knows? Maybe I would, right? Right. So aside from those two first viewings, which were uh, in the theater and therefore entirely in Japanese, all of them were subbed in English. Uh, and I think the sub was pretty good um, in pretty much... I think all of the Shinkai movies have like some weird Japanese words that are basically untranslatable that are sometimes a little bit awkward to fit into it. Uh, so there's that. Uh, go- going back to the digital versus physical thing, uh, one thing I would note is that Shinkai's movies in general have a very, very high amount of detail and 
beautiful detail that is sort of destroyed if you have a low bitrate, maybe pirated version of this movie. Uh, so I would recommend going either with iTunes uh, to get the higher bitrate if you're going for like a uh, purchasing it or Honestly, Blu-ray is worth it for Shinkai films. <laughs> That's my personal opinion. Of course, like it's less convenient, but I think like they are beautiful works of art that are best enjoyed in Blu-ray uh, at home anyway. Um, I'm gonna go in and just like have a little bit of the synopsis based on like what the what the marketing materials for the movie said to not spoil anything, and then I'm gonna give a very brief primer on what Shinkai movies are kind of like if you're not familiar with them. So if you're interested in watching Completely Blind, I, am at, I, I suggest stopping here and watching the movie and coming back later. Uh, but there are not going to be spoilers until we clearly mark off the spoiler section. Um, so this movie is about a girl called Mitsuha Miyamizu. She's a high school student who lives in a rural town called Itomori in Gifu Prefecture. And she also works as a shrine maiden in her family's shrine. And uh, she has to do all of these weird rituals and stuff at her family shrine, uh, like uh, like spit out rice because it makes alcohol, because yeast magic. It's great. Uh, hey, it, it, come on! I, I just googled it uh, while watching the movie. It's an old, like it's an ancient sake recipe, more or less. Yeah, it's legit. It, it, I mean, the science works out. It's just it looks silly when you don't know about it. Um, True. And there's a bunch of drama surrounding her dad's uh, municipal election or whatever. And she's just sick of it. She longs for a more interesting life than the boring rural life she's always known. And she yells out that she wants to be reborn as a handsome Tokyo boy in her next life. Well, she sort of gets her wish. And uh, she starts intermittently switching bodies with this other guy called Taki Tachibana. He's a high school student in Tokyo. And the movie more or less consists of them trying to adapt to A, living in each other's bodies, and B, figuring out what forces are behind their swapping, uh, if any. So that's more or less like what the trailers and the back of the box would have you believe. It's more complicated than that, because it probably wouldn't be that great of a movie if it was that simple. Uh, but imagine like Japanese Freaky Friday, and you sort of get like the base premise for this movie that's trying to get people in. And I think that base premise is very interesting because it makes it very accessible to like basically anyone. Uh, I, since I was in Japan while this movie was in theaters, I got to see the TV commercials for it. And Japanese TV commercials love to put, like, reactions of people who just can't walked out of the movie theater. Really? Wow. Yeah, they, they still do that, uh, which is kind of surprising. That was my point, is they still do that? Like, I think we stopped doing that, like, years ago. Though, it's funny, I think the only place I still see that is for a uh, humorous show here in Quebec, where sometimes yeah, or yeah. it's even theater show here, maybe in, like, Montreal stuff like that. They were like, oh, they would they would show clip of like known famous quote unquote people from Quebec, and they will say, oh, go watch this. This is amazing. Yes. So they do the same thing. And what was stunning about your name is like this is on paper an anime movie, but you were having like these 70, 80 year old grandmothers coming out of the thing with their granddaughter who was like ten years old, and they both really enjoyed the movie. And it's not something you see for tons and tons of anime movies you see it for 
kids movies like uh, every year there's a new procure movie which is more or less like the modern equivalent to sailor moon uh or like uh, the power rangers stuff uh that has movies every year and you see their uh kids and their moms coming out of the theater and like it was awesome um aside from like those solid franchises with like yearly release schedules that like you you know at this date there's going to be a new power rangers movie or whatever uh that have like a built-in market because they're so much a part of like what it, the culture of being a child in Japan, like no child in Japan is hyped for Shinkai movies. Like that's not a part of their life. It's like if uh, like kids here were like interested in uh, what's the name of the guy who did baby driver. I'm so bad. I don't watch movies in case it's not obvious. Um, oh, that's a good, I, I oh, okay. Let me go. Let me Google it for me, uh, quickly. Babe. Yeah, I have a noisy keyboard, so I can't type on. By the way, this movie, since we're talking about it, is quite good, even if it's uh, with uh, um, Kevin Spacey, which Edgar Wright. That's the name. Yeah, Edgar Wright or stuff like that. Like you, you don't really see kids like that are ten years old getting excited for auteur movies. Uh, uh, Which I guess the, for this one they might because it's kind of a like a car action movie. So fair enough, but I mean, like in ge- in general, you don't see that kind of excitement out of like ten year olds or whatever. But this really positioned it as a sort of family movie, uh, which I would not describe Shinkai's other movies as being family movies necessarily. Um, so that was kind of interesting. Uh, speaking of Shinkai, I just want to give like a brief overview of what his films are about uh more so on the audiovisual front because the rest is a spoiler uh so <laughs> he has a very distinct visual style uh lots of hyper realism and high attention to detail uh i think i mentioned on the last episode like you should watch this movie because it is a visual spectacle and i don't think that's overselling it that is not by the way uh, yeah just to reemphasize what you say it is beautiful aside from the village of itomori every location in this movie exists in real life and is recreated to an unimaginable level of accuracy uh, that's a good point by the way sorry for the interruption but i i didn't take the time uh, after ending watching the movie i wasn't sure if the small village was a real japanese place or not compared to of course tokyo <laughs> come on uh but i can if it slipped through my mind in the past few days but it's good to know that it's kind of a fictional Place? Yeah, or- it's inspired by uh, towns that are around that area, but it is not an actual place. Um, okay. And then all of the Tokyo stuff is accurate. Uh, there are posters that were up in the movie that are actual promotional posters that were up at the time that the movie was being made. Uh, like all of the billboards and the company logos, like compared to the previous Shinkai movie I had seen before that five centimeters per second, like that had off brand versions of everything. So there was Wook Donald's, there was windows Vasta. There was like <laughs> a bunch of off brand stuff. This licensed everything, uh, which is why like the credits never end. Uh, so there's a very high level of accuracy in this movie and uh, down to the logos. And like, even when there are computers and stuff, their UIs are perfect all the time because that is how Shinkai movies are. Um, scenes often look better than they do in reality because I think like the whole Shinkai aesthetic is you draw the environments how they feel, not how they are. Uh, and like that, that's something I kind of aspire to with photography, uh, is like, I, I want 
the photos that I take to be reflective of the memory that I have of the time I was having and not necessarily be 100% accurate to how things were portrayed. So you tweak the colors and all of that stuff to get the right vibe. Same deal here. There is exaggerated lighting, exaggerated uh, highlights, all of that stuff, just so that it looks like it feels, which is awesome. The flip side, of course, to the visual uh, aspect of the show is the audio side of the show. Um, so music is kind of the glue that holds everything together into a cohesive work of beauty in Shinkai films. Uh, this movie features an entirely original soundtrack composed by Japanese rock band Radwimps. Uh, unfortunately, we found out this week that the vocalist of Radwimps believes in eugenics and, uh, purging the gene pool of bad genes. So, fuck. (laughs) So that fucking sucks. But the songs are very good. Uh, there are four vocal songs in the film. Dream Lantern, Zen Zen Sensei, uh, Sparkle, and Nandemonaya. And they're both awesome. Uh, they're all awesome. And, uh, like the, Background tracks are also very good. Uh, And actually, that's sort of the reason I recommended the sub over the dub. Uh, The dubbed version has English vocals, and I feel like they're really not as good as the Japanese originals or as impactful. And like, if you're watching the movie for the first time, I want it to be impactful because it's a fucking good movie. (laughs) So, Okay, uh, maybe I could chime in here because in the end I did watch the dub version. I think they were, of course, I cannot compare with the uh, the OV, but I did feel a bit sometimes like while you were listening to the lyrics that it felt like, yeah, okay, they're, they're it feels that they're translating the song. And uh, so I can understand why you're saying that. But I felt overall that the songs were punchy and conveying what was... Uh, happening in that scene and kind of like filling in the scene with a song with vocals yeah the other thing is uh and this is more true for the japanese vocals i think um because uh, i've only heard them really i i mean i've listened to the english versions enough to know that i don't like them um but I had heard songs from this movie before going into the movie uh but hmm. i hadn't quite paid attention to the the lyrics and all of that stuff because like by the time I had gotten to Japan the movie had been out in theaters long enough that like the songs were everywhere uh they had been in music games all of that stuff so I like could not escape them even if I wanted to be p- completely blind um but I I wasn't actively paying attention to the lyrics it's when I came out of the movie and actually started paying attention to the lyrics that I'm like oh this telegraphs a lot of stuff that maybe I was better off not knowing uh, by like just paying attention to the music and not to the lyrics. Um, But yeah, uh, I don't want to say too much more about that. Um, So as I said, there's more to Shinkai's style than this, uh, but I have to save it for the spoiler zone because it would be a big spoiler for this movie. Um, So before we go into the spoiler zone, I guess I want to know if you have anything else you want to say before we go into the spoiler zone. And then I want to know if you would recommend this movie, which I mean, probably, huh? (laughs) Uh, Yes, I guess that is not a spoiler, but I did text you that I cried a lot uh, at the end. Um, So I guess that's kind of a spoiler. Just at the end? Uh, I would say just at the end. There's a couple of Hmm. moments like, (gasps) uh, I think... Okay, I'm trying to uh, carefully say what I want about to say. So, 
you're correct that if you just look at the trailer and just at the, a small synopsis of the movie, you're like, okay, it's it's a story, like it's a typical story. Something like there's so there's going to have a problem at some point, right? And they don't really tell you what's the problem. So when that happens, um, and we can discuss it in more details in a bit, but when that happens, it's a bit um, surprising, I think. I think they, 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 they kind of eyed one of the big punch of the movie quite well. Um, so at first I was like, you know, it's an anime movie. It's kind of joyful and fun. But I'm like, I kind of, I didn't feel I started to felt bored. But I was like, shit is about to go down and it's too joyful is what i mean and shit didn't went down but the the climax of it is quite big and uh, i think it is worth living for sure um and i think that's more or less what i have to say uh pre-spoilers uh listen to what most of everybody said uh and just watch it because it's it's a great movie um whether you're a fan of anime or not I think if maybe you're not so a fan of anime or just like like drawn character, even if they're not anime per se, I think take a time. Maybe think that this is one of the first ones you should start watching. Um, or maybe not because then it will go all downhill. Uh, who knows? But I think it is a, a great movie overall and its success like throughout the world at, at this moment and especially in Japan shows that it was a great movie. Yeah, it's basically the most successful Japanese movie of all time. So yeah, and it's funny uh, you shouldn't go look at the wiki page because spoilers. But they're comparing with big blockbusters uh, around that time. For example, they were talking about uh, Star Wars: The Force Awakens at that moment. It's like it made double the money in the Japanese uh, box office at that time. So it's quite crazy. Yeah. All right. So I'm gonna play a little chime, and then on the other side of that chime, we're gonna be in the spoiler zone. So if you haven't seen the movie, go watch it, and we'll be back in a few seconds. All right, we're back. Um, so as we sort of discussed before we started recording. Um, I have a bunch of terrible thoughts about this movie, not thoughts that are not thoughts of the movie are bad, but thoughts that would poison your thoughts. Uh, okay. So I want to hear your uh, your opinions before I poison your mind with my thoughts. <laughs> okay, so let's talk about the big climax, right? So as you mentioned, uh, you discovered that those two uh, people have a strange kind of not relationship but like linked between yeah. each other they, they're linked right so uh takimit and mitsua are linked together and you do feel that for mitsua it's quite clear but you kind of feel with taki too that they kind of want to both escape their own lives right and mm-hmm. kind of this link uh, uh connected between each other makes them do that uh, until you realize that they are three years apart. Dun, dun, dun. Um, and then you realize why they are three years apart when Taki tries to go find her when he's no longer able to be Mitsuha. Like at some point there's a moment that you realize like the first kind of uh, problem that happens in the story is they're so used of the day-to-day that like one day they they switch, one day they become themselves, they, they switch. So it's really like the movie makes you think it's really like every two days it swaps. And then one day it just stops. So uh, Taki is like, 
okay, I need to find this girl. There's something we need. I need to find her, and then realize that a uh, she's dead, and b she was killed in a big crater accident, or not crater accident, but a meteorite that dropped from the sky three years ago, and then they're like mind blown. <laughs> uh, but I think this element uh, they start to realize that the reason they link together is to save not I was about to say each other but to make sure that uh, Taki is able to save Mitsuha and by saving Mitsuha she can save her small village because everybody died um, and that's where the quote unquote action starts to happen in the movie uh, and at that point I was like literally like riveted to my seats in my, uh, in my <laughs> living room and then watching it because what I liked about the story itself is it starts typical kind of like that to me started like like a typical anime. I was like, you know, like the, the, something weird, like f- for example, that is uber weird. Uh, let me repeat it again. Uber weird and wrong. But every time Taki is in Mitsuma's body, he <laughs> wakes up and touch her boobs. Like, like, like grab, like, it's like, oh my fucking God, I have boobs now. Like, Imagine the wrong way you would do that. You wake up one day and you like grab boobs. That's exactly that, which is bad. But I, at the same time, I was like, man, that reminds me of anime I was watching like fifteen, twenty years ago. Like this, this is so typical anime. It's a wrong still that anime is doing that, but at the same time, it's so typical anime. So I was like, yeah, okay, it fits, but it shouldn't fit in this day and age. But I guess that's that's anime culture. Um, where was I going with this now? Oh yes, uh, so yes, you kind of realize that you know that, that this is this is beginning of the story is just like yeah yeah like it's weird but who knows like we're in an anime so everything can happen so that's life now and pretty much yeah they, they, they kind of just live like they just assume that now it's life right this is normal now they, this is the new normal um, and at first they're like weird but they start to get new tricks and they leave each other's notes on their phone uh, and then like I said one day it stops which breaks this kind of new normal. And of course, they kind of, like, at, at least at this point, Taki kind of wants to bring it back. And then you feel invested in, I think it's it's quite easy to connect to their strange relationship um, because you realize that they help each other when they swap bodies, right? Yeah. Um, I, the best example is when Mitsuha is in Taki's body she helps gets along with an older colleagues at the restaurant he works with, which is implied that all the boys, the the, the waiter boys, are having a crush on her because of, I think they don't talk about year, but I think they they kind of say that she's maybe like a couple of years old, like they're like seventeen, and then she's maybe, in university while they're seventeen. Right, so we're talking like twenty, twenty-two, something like that. Not even twenty-two, like twenty, twenty-one. Um, so a couple of years old. I think it's a little less than that in Japan, but oh, okay. So maybe like it's they like one or two. Probably years like old. two years apart. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, so she helps. She helps him kind of like build a relationship with uh, his colleague, um, and you also see that because. Uh, as Yannick was mentioning, like Mitsuha, she's the daughter of the uh, mayor of the small town. She's kind of like have this uh, kind of force to be like kind of strict and and stuff. She's kind of becoming more popular because of Taki's personality. Uh, so they they grow together and they kind of like 
more or less fall in love with each other kind of kind of that's kind of that is kind of what slowly is implied is they their strong bond makes them fall in love with each other and when it, it gets cropped you really feel it like you feel like oh my god like if i were taki i would literally go uh go run try to find mitsua and you f- and that's i think the moment where the typical anime setting kind of breaks apart for the better because you pass in this weird region and this weird moment where there's this thread bond uh that is created then there's the weird stuff and then poof it breaks but it breaks in a way for the story to progress because if it was literally like an hour 45 minutes of just the first part it would be the most boring movie ever it would literally be freaky friday which i guess isn't the anime that it is that it, no, it's an actual, like, Lindsay Lohan is in the movie, and it's literally oh, okay. the same idea, except it's her and her mom. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah. Okay. It's the kind of junky movie that you'll find on, like, TVA at the yeah, middle yeah. of or, the afternoon uh, on weekends. Oh, yeah, or the type of movie that is always on Netflix because nobody wants it. Exactly. Uh, yeah, yeah, okay. And yeah, and I feel that when the shit starts to happen, you your emotional bond with those characters grow stronger and stronger which you end up at the climax at the end where they save everybody and blah 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 and that's why you're like oh my god you save everybody and you cry um because you're really attached to the fact that the character should quote-unquote win in the end and it ends even better that they finally meet each other though it takes five more years for that to happen um so it really ends on this note and that's I think it's a kind of like every movie that has kind of this love relationship, this love theme throughout their movie and typical like romantic movies are this way too. It's like the love to leave you on a cliffhanger that is not really a cliffhanger because it's a, a romantic movie, right? So it's mm-hmm. like you always feel as like, oh, I kind of want to see them be happy together, but it is part of the setting to let you imagine that and not yeah. see it. So more or less, they end up like crossing paths with each other in Tokyo because they everybody saved, so they end up being in Tokyo. Uh, and then they cross paths. I'm like, oh my god, no, she's her, he's her, he's him, and boom, they like they're like, oh my god, and it ends there. So, so then you're crying more, of course. <laughs> uh, and I think that's that's more or less what I have to say. It's a lot of uh, random thoughts, right? But o- overall, I was really invested in the story by the end of the movie. And it ended. And I literally well, I literally texted you. Even if it didn't, I'll scroll back. I'm currently scrolling back because it's not too far ago. Uh, so after 30 minutes of watching it, I told you I like it. <laughs> I, then, I think I don't have the time slot. But now at one moment, I say, okay, now I'm crying. Man, this is good, and I'm nearly done. And then I'm like, it ended, and I'm like, why do you tell me to watch this earlier? And I, and then you're like, dude, I told you that already. We but, did, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I was like, really flabbergasted at the end. I was like, wow, I was not expecting to be wowed by this movie, and not because, and I think here is because I had by be me being me, just being kind of a. I listen rarely to animes, right? Mm-hmm. Of course, I've heard of it being this like global phenomenon, like even fucking Elon Musk tweeted about it, right? Yeah. Uh, and I kind of was like, you always tell me like, usually 
throughout the years like you kind of learn what i liked about anime so you kind of say oh you should watch this one you should watch this one and then usually i try to get off i was like yeah maybe i'll have time at some point and i know this one you kind of insisted after you watched it in theaters uh and i kind of struck it off again but yeah this one this is one of those where i kind of like beat myself for not listening to you earlier uh i was utterly surprised in the good way I wouldn't be surprised I will watch it again because I feel it is this good. Um, again, uh, by my poor mistake of not buying the right <laughs> one, but also fully blaming iTunes because on that. Uh, because if you search for your name, and that's in Canada, it shows you the dub version and that's it, not both versions. So, mm. uh, yeah. so hopefully maybe uh, Yannick will find a link and maybe I'll buy it again uh, to uh, watch it <laughs> in Japanese and subbed. Or maybe I'll uh, figure some way out, if you see what I mean. But for sure, like now it's my li- iTunes library, and I wouldn't be surprised that once in a while I'm like, hey, you know, like it's been maybe a year or two, kind of like usually I tend to forget about movies after like a period of time and just forget enough so I'm kind of still wild when I watch it again and I'm not just like, oh yeah, yeah, that's going to happen, that's going to happen, that's going to happen and kind of not being able to enjoy the movie no more because I know all the spoilers. Uh, so I wouldn't be surprised that this, over time, is going to be a movie that is going to be enjoyable enjoyable by on rewatches. And I think the best example of those, and again, you'll say it's not animes, but it's Japanese-drawn uh, movies, is most of the uh, Miyazaki movies that Tony loves so much. And I've enjoyed a lot of them. Uh, I forgot which one we rewatched recently, which is so nice. It's the one about the Tanukis getting kicked out of the forest. Oh, I God. don't know. I've only seen uh, Totoro. It's um, up here with my Blu-rays. Really? you only seen that? Oh, my goodness. Oh, okay. I... I I'll let you speak. I'll try to Google it. But more or less what I want to say is like this feels like those strong emotions, those strong bonding with the characters. It's something that it can be repeated even if you know a bit of the spoilers. Oh, uh, yeah, definitely. Um, I On the train ride to the airport from, uh, from where I was staying in Japan for that trip, uh, I bought the soundtrack on iTunes for the movie. And for the first, like, six months after I've returned from Japan and listened to that soundtrack, every time Sparkle would come on, which is a song during the uh, meteor shower, I would just cry immediately, and I couldn't <laughs> listen to it in public. Um, so I eventually, like, got over it. Um, but, yeah, it, it was very emotionally strong um, for that kind of stuff. And um, it's interesting that you mentioned Miyazaki, because... Uh, a lot of people say that Shinkai is the new Miyazaki. I don't necessarily oh. agree with that um, for reasons that will become clear at the end of the episode because I don't want to spoil the biggest part of, the, of my <laughs> conclusions right now. Um, but yeah, a lot of people have called him the new Miyazaki for effectively making like these sort of... And even then, I'm not sure I agree with the statement, but for these sort of like mass market appeal emotional beautiful movies that anyone can watch and i think that's sort of what studio ghibli has nailed and i don't think shinkai did that at all but i think his recent movies give a an idea that he might be headed in that direction 
Huh. Um, yeah. And because again, if, we'll talk about it more later. Yeah, because here, from what I understood, without watching any of the other movies from uh, this person, is that they're not like this one. They're, they they fit into the they are beautiful, great to watch, but they might not be for everybody. Kind of a general public type of movie. You're making it real hard for me not to go into the conclusion. Okay, right okay, now. we'll keep that for a conclusion. Sorry, sorry. Well, okay, I'll say this, which won't spoil too much. So uh, Shinkai was affiliated with a company called Minori in the past. And Minori is a developer of very sad visual novels. Uh, there is a Japanese word called nakige, which is games that make you cry. And uh, Minori is in the top of that industry uh, with a bunch of other companies. And uh, he was responsible for a bunch of visuals on the F series, which is, once again, a very sad visual novel. Uh, and the influence of that experience shows in a lot of his movies. And that is why, like, up until your name, I think there is, like, you have to be invested in anime bullshit to actually, like, watch his movies and enjoy mm. them. Your name is where there's, like, a pivot, which is, like... I'm actually trying to get normal people to watch my movies now. Right, right. Okay, and that, but that's a good point. Maybe it's, I don't want to go too much into conclusion, but that sounds to me like what I was trying to say is you needed to be an anime fan to watch uh, the movies before. Right. Well, at, at first you just didn't know him unless you were a fan of anime, which is like that's mm. fine. Like everyone who's growing up to become a big creator has that period where they're undiscovered or a niche creator that needs to be elevated. Then a little bit later, he's like, no, I'm making the same caliber of movie that I'm making with your name. I'm just making it for a completely different audience. And then there's the pivot, the hard pivot, which is like, no, actually I want to make mainstream movies. And I'm, I haven't seen um, the movie he made before this one. Uh, I think it's like garden of voices. Uh, it's possible that the pivot happens there uh, because I haven't seen it. So I don't exactly know, but it's his recent movies. Okay. By the way, sorry for the interruption. The film I was talking about that I watched recently that I really watched, enjoyed to watch is a Studio Ghibli movie, but not a Miyazaki movie. That's why. It's a Aha. Pomponko. Never heard of it. Okay. It's nice. Uh, they're just talking about it's a long story short, it's Sanoki that live in forests that are able to uh, transform into anything. They're able to master the uh, the illusion science, and they do that to try to protect the forex that is being destroyed by suburbs. Uh, Those and, damn suburbs. Yes, but it is in '94. It is a kind of a like uber environmental environmental <laughs> uh, focus movie. But a, it is beautiful. B, it is a nice story you can enjoy all the time. And C, it is quite cute for younger and adult to young people if you see what i mean so it's from like the, the the maybe like the 10 to 100 type of uh, movies here so this would kind of remind me that's why i meant when i was saying like this is a um a movie you can always enjoy when you rewatch because it's just a nice story and you love the characters in it and this mm-hmm. reminded me of pompoko which i watched in the last few months uh, since all the studio Ghibli stuff is on everything now, uh, so that's which is nice. No need to buy the blue, the expensive Blu-rays. You can just watch them on Netflix. So that's always good. Uh, so yeah. So sorry, I couldn't remember the name earlier. Um, so I don't think it's going to shock anyone that this movie was inspired by the 2011 Great East Japan earthquake. Hmm. 
Okay. I, I didn't know it was inspired, but that makes sense now. It makes a lot of sense once you actually like realize that they are like, oh, natural disasters. Hmm. We can make a movie about that. Uh, Shinkai visited uh, an area of Natori in Miyagi Prefecture called Yuriage, and that was a part of town that was completely wiped out. And there were like, I think either single digit or double digit survivors. Like there were very wow. few people still alive after uh, after that. And Shinkai sort of like, much like the character in this movie, he drew a lot of sketches. And in fact, a lot of those sketches uh, wound up in exhibitions, which is sort of what ends up happening in the movie when they go to an exhibition and there are all of these Itomori uh, pictures up there. Um, and he was just like so moved. And he was like, that could have been my town. It could have been our town. And he just wanted to like replay those emotions for people uh, and get them to feel something uh similar to that um so yeah that that made a lot of sense i had never really connected it to that until i had read it online but yeah it makes a lot of sense uh i think like this is gonna sound real stupid but like i started going to japan the year after the earthquake so i think about it a lot less than if i had gone the year before and i would have like it would have been a lot closer to me whereas now it's like i've only known the world the world after the earthquake that like it, it always seemed normal to me and i don't have like that i mean i have the memory of the earthquake but like it wasn't as impactful on me because i didn't see the before after yeah and, it, and it, this is also crazy because uh not to kind of uh live varicously to people's experiences but that's something that also affected uh tony's best friend's sister which was literally on the plane about to land when that happened Oof. on the first visit uh to uh, japan so yes it's uh it's something that like surprisingly enough from people that never really live in japan are like and we have experiences with uh those moments and we've heard stories about that and especially uh the aftermath directly especially with uh tony's uh tony's friend like it's literally she was telling us because she spent about maybe Half a, half a week in the end there while trying to struggle to come back and stuff like that yeah and she was telling us how the people reacted to it uh, part of the point you mentioned about this could have been my my town of the uh, writer or the producer excuse me or whatever it was called uh, director excuse me now oh, my goodness I'm naming all the uh, name in the movie uh, I think they translated that so perfectly in the storyline and in your in not involvement but with your sentiment that you uh, uh your attachment sentiment to those characters because like you, you said that and you kind of uh and i was like wow okay that is perfectly the emotion that conveys throughout this movie when that happens yeah definitely so i've thought about recommending other shinkai movies for us to watch in the past um but i largely did not uh because I was worried, and this is dumb because, like, I, I know you've seen Ghibli movies and this sort of applies to Ghibli movies, too. There is a very different structure to how movies are made in Japan and in the West. What I consider to be true for Japanese movies is, like, scenes feel like they all express a complete thought. And they trust that the viewer is smart enough to be able to piece together the various scenes and thoughts that were presented to them into a coherent narrative. Whereas I think Western movies, and a part of this is also that Western movies tend to be a lot more action-focused than this, um, 
there's a heavy use of dramatic transitions and there's an artificial sense of urgency by like cutting things off before they're complete. Um, differently, I think Western media gets off on withholding information and cutting away to something else. So to distract you from the fact that they just withheld information and throughout the entire movie, you're always conscious that there's a piece of information that you don't know because of cuts to different scenes. Whereas I think Japanese media, sometimes they don't even have to withhold information from you. They can just put that information in plain sight, but by giving it no emphasis whatsoever. It's just like a hint more than like something that's jammed in your face. It's a lot more subtle. And whenever I watch Japanese media, um, especially uh, like this movie is a good example. Well, all of Shinkai's movies are a good example. And... Um, uh, Sayonara as its bull sensei is another like anime franchise that also benefits a lot from this. Like you are rewarded for rewatching because there is so much detail in everything that like there are multiple levels of understanding you can get by rewatching it over and over and over again and paying attention to little things. And I, I think that can be jarring for people. And I think the only way that sort of your name gets away with it is because once you get to the part where you realize that there's more to it than the Freaky Friday setup, <laughs> you're invested and you're willing to like ignore the fact that this movie structure is kind of off to what you're used to. Whereas like, if I were to do this for literally any Shinkai movie before that, like you would just be bored the whole time, probably, or something like that, or you would be disappointed. Uh, and I feel like this was a good introduction, and I feel like it's a really good introduction for people as uh, as the first Shinkai movie you would watch, because then at least you have relative idea of like how things roll, and then you can see, like, oh, okay, these are the differences between these movies. Whereas if you just go straight in the deep end, you're like, not only are you faced with these structural differences that are just, like, part of Japanese movies, but you're also facing the fact that this is a weird movie made for anime fans. <laughs> and it's, like, too much of a culture shock, and then you just hate it, not necessarily because it's bad, but because there's too much that's different at once. And it's funny to bring up that... Um... In theory, in in general, like uh, Japanese medium white not, uh, I do some plot elements or just like some obvious stuff because they don't put emphasis of it, and I feel that's a bit what Studio Ghibli is good at. By a lot of their movies is more or less telling you, like moral of the story is, beauty is all like it's always on plan in plain sight. You just need to take the time to enjoy it more or less, and not just like being forced to realize that you need to be pointed out that this is uh, the case. So kind of, kind of, it, it, did, it did resonate to me what you just said about kind of like just it's in plain sight, but they don't put emphasis on it. They just want you to slowly but truly realize that it is there and that there's beauty related to it in some form. Yeah, definitely. By the way, just another note, excuse me, sorry, before you continue, I don't know if you were talking, were planning to talk about it, but it seems uh, there possibly at some point there was discussion of having a live action version from uh, <laughs> a Western live action, which is even worse. <laughs> yes. Uh, according to Wikipedia, though, it seems that the Japanese rights holder were wanted people wanted the West a Western point of view. But it's going to be interesting because the main reason first it is going to possibly maybe but possibly be produced by J.J. Abrams. 
it's his company, so it's definitely being produced right? by J.J. Abrams. And uh, the yeah, the, the the narrative is going to be interesting because I want to see if they'll keep the same thing but with a Western point of view, like they said, because it's going to be about a young Native American woman living in a rural area and a young man from Chicago who discovered that they're magically in intermediate swapping bodies. So it's kind of the same thing, but with maybe not uh, like Japanese, uh, now I'm blanking on the word, but I say culture, but that's not the word I'm looking for for this. Yeah, I, I know the word you're looking for, mythology. Yes, thank you. And now they're kind of applying that to uh, more uh, native mythology. I am terrified of how that will turn yeah. out. Yeah, uh, and let's be honest, it's like three years old news, according to what it's written on Wikipedia, and they haven't heard anything else, so who knows, right? It might never happen. I mean, the last news was in 2019, as far as I've heard. Right. They signed some actors and stuff, so I guess they might have been supposed to start production, but who knows in this world what's yeah, happening. Yeah, yeah, Totally, totally. Yeah. Um, this is something that I noticed uh, more or less today, because I watched Hamilton today, and... Um, oh, no. Really? Yeah. Okay, no, 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 no. We cannot, we cannot mention Hamilton. I haven't watched it yet. And I know a lot of people talk to about it on the... I need to watch it, I know, but I haven't... Well... Tried. This is not going to spoil anything about Hamilton, other than the fact that it's amazing. Okay, um, yes, and let's be honest, Hamilton is a story, so it's kind of no spoiler, quote unquote. But yeah, well, yeah, of course. Well, I mean, they say in the first song that he shoots him at the end, so right. I mean, like it's a <laughs> big fucking deal. You don't need to watch it anymore. Eh, who cares? I just cried the entire second half. Oh, uh, but um, yeah, so. Uh, so one of the things I noticed when I was watching the movie uh, that sort of rebubbled up because I saw Hamilton was that uh, there's a lot of repetition in this movie, uh, both in terms of literal repetition where phrases are repeated multiple times throughout the movie or parallel things, ju- juxtaposition happening between like things are happening to Taki, things are happening to Mitsuha uh, and in either order, let's say, but things often are happening in pairs where they are paralleled in both characters. And I found that really interesting because uh, that's very similar to musical motifs in musicals. Uh, any musical that is not written as a jukebox musical, where it, which is where they take a bunch of music from an existing artist like Mamma Mia or something like that. Uh, and instead they write a bunch of original music like Hamilton, like Legally Blonde, like all that stuff. Uh, there are recurring musical motifs in the music that like bring up various themes or characters or whatever. Um, And yeah, I just felt like there's a lot of motifs in this movie that keep coming up over and over again. Unfortunately, I do not have a list of them, so that's kind of useless. Uh, But like, that was one of the things I never really noticed until I watched it the seventh time, which is, (laughs) (laughs) I was about to say that you will leave that to the listener to do when they want it the second time, but Maybe exactly. seven more, six more times to, for it to uh, click. It's, yeah, I mean, they, and sometimes I feel like people might find that a little bit grating. Like, um, like yeah, okay, we got it the first time. You don't need to repeat it like two other times with, from other characters' point of view, the same phrase. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, that's how they reinforce the theme and the thing. Um, and that kind of brings me to, like, the big point that wraps everything up about this so before i go into that i want to know if you have anything else you sort of want to say about the movie at this point i don't think so 
I think at this point, I'm ready for you to uh, go on with your big opinion. So I change my opinion or not. And then we conflict and we complain and then we fight a bit. And then I mean, I, I don't I'm not going to change your opinion. I don't think so. I, I mean, I just wanted to hear your opinions before I say anything that could color it. But um, OK, I'll, I'll just go into it. Yeah, so go into I said it. Yeah. <laughs> I said at the start of the episode, there's more to Shinkai style than just audiovisual presentation. And we're going to revisit that. Um, what you realize after you see maybe two or three of Shinkai's movies is that his movies are formulaic. A lot of his movies are iterations on trying to tell the same story. And this goes like all the way back to his early, early stuff. Like when he was doing stuff like in early 2000s, uh, short films like uh, Voices of a Distant Star and all of that stuff. The underlying theme of basically all his movies is relationships straining under a practically insurmountable amount of distance, whether it be physical, emotional, or temporal distance, as we've seen in this movie. Um, there are recurring elements because there are things that Shinkai is super obsessed with. Like trains are probably going to play some relevance to the plot at some point. The sky or outer space are probably going to be relevant to the plot at some point. I mean, like the newest movie is literally called Weathering With You and it's about the weather. I mean, like how much more in your nose can you get? Oh, wow. And, um, and the poster for it, you could say, this is a poster for your name. And I'd be like, okay, makes sense. I buy it. Yeah, no, it's, yeah. <laughs> uh, and so like the point I was making about motifs in, uh, in your name sort of applies to the entirety of his works. There are motifs that play out through the entirety of his works. And I'm not speaking musical motifs here. I'm speaking thematic motifs. Uh, there are certain scenes in your name that are direct call-outs to scenes from his previous movies. And if you've seen those movies, they hit twice as hard because that's not necessarily how they play out in the original movie they're from. So that adds to the rewatching thing, right? Like, you can go watch another Shinkai movie that you haven't seen. Maybe you get a whole new understanding to a scene that you didn't have before, and you're like, oh shit, this changes everything. And then the cycle continues. I, I think my opinion about this, and this is something I've discussed with, uh, I mean, every time a Shinkai movie comes out, all of my friends tweet in Rot 13, uh, because we don't want to spoil anything for anyone. Uh, and th I think immediately when I came out of the theater uh, for seeing, well, uh, okay, I'll just say it. I view your name like I view Gran Turismo 4. It did so well, and it nails everything that it needed to have for mainstream appeal so perfectly that I find it basically mathematically impossible that any future Shinkai movie that sticks to his current formula will compare poorly to this movie. And the thing that's interesting about it is this is the thought I had the minute I walked out of the movie theater, having seen your name for the first time. And last year when I saw Weathering With You in the theater, I walked out and I was like, yeah, I was right. It's funny you say that because even people on Wikipedia are saying that too. Because that's one of the that one of the quotes in uh, Weathering With You's wiki page, more or less. Saying, oh, wow. <laughs> Some compared the film to uh, which Shinkai's previous work, Your Name, criticizing it for its lack of clarity of vision and unresolved plot threads. So it's kind of saying like, it's good, but not as good as Your Name. Like, here's the difference. Um, so m my personal Shinkai movie, uh, favorite Shinkai movie is Five Centimeters Per Second, which is not technically a movie. It's a collection of three short films that are pieced together into an hour-long movie. So there you go. Um, 
That's my favorite movie. Uh, I think about that movie maybe once a week. I think about your name maybe twice a month. I have not thought about weathering with you since I left the theater last year, except like when thinking about other Shinkai movies and how they relate to each other. Like mm-hmm. if I'm outside doing the groceries, maybe I'll think about the two other Shinkai films, but not weathering with you because it, I mean, it leaves an impression, but it's, it's just like three star movie. And there's a lot of visually stunning stuff about it, but like Shinkai's works are so fucking good that like, you know they're going to be visually stunning. It's like that's the bar, the, the minimum bar. <laughs> then you have to like go the emotional distance with it. And like weathering with you, like I didn't cry at all. You usually cry a lot in Shinkai movies um, because of his like lineage working on sad visual novels and all that stuff. So yeah, I think like there are two best Shinkai films. There's Five Centimeters Per Second, which is the best for the snobby anime nerd who likes to cry and you have (laughs) your name which is the greatest for like the mainstream audience and like the last thing i have in my notes is so where do we go from here and i I don't have an answer for this but i think shinkai's formula is too limiting because he's hit it he's hit two home runs in different parks and i'm not sure what else he can do with this formula and i mean it kind of sucks if that's like all you know how to do I guess it's good for him that he's not in North America because, they, of course, people will want a Your Name 2 and a Your Name 3 and a Your Name 4. Well, Japan is not exempt of that. Like, look at Metal Gear, which was supposed True. to end after Metal Gear 2, and you saw what that ended up doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, but, I mean, yeah. I, it's, I mean, it's good that he's given enough uh, creative autonomy to be like, no, actually, I want to do these other movies. And it seems to be mostly out of choice that he's limiting himself to this weirdo formula where it needs to be about, like, distant relationships with trains and outer space stuff. Um, I mean, that, that's cool. If that's what the movie you want to make, like, go and do it. But you already did it really well twice. Uh, and I don't think there's a need to do it another time. Uh, like, what else are you going to give that those two movies didn't give? Um, so, like, for me, it's kind of sad because, like, I mean, Shinka's probably working on a new movie. I don't think he stopped after weathering with you, but... I'm hoping his next movie is not so formulaic because even as a big fan, that's not really what I want to see anymore. Hmm. Interesting. But it's a great movie and you should watch it if you haven't yet. But you just know all the spoilers now, so congratulations if you haven't watched it. Right. Doom. Okay, two things. After what you said, which was supposed to maybe color my opinion, I think the only thing I will kind of keep in mind is right now is I've watched the best so why should I care watching the rest uh, and maybe you can say that there's a couple of other of his uh, movie that I that is going to be interesting and important that I should watch but that's maybe the only color you put in my opinion is like I watched your name it's a fucking good movie and sorry compared to maybe other big like studios or like big uh producers and directors you might not want to watch other stuff that they've done if you watch their latest thing or close to latest thing if someone were to ask me like what shinkai movie do i watch next if i like this movie like i don't you have watch a good again? answer yeah, you watch it again you. yeah you watch it again <laughs> or if you really want to like feast your eyes on visual good stuff go watch five centimeters per second i think it is the 
the prettiest of all his movies. Um, I, I mean, I'm biased. I love trains, and there's a lot of trains. I love nights. Uh, I mean, like nighttime, and there's a lot of nighttime in that. So there's reflective surfaces in rain. I mean, like that's the good shit right there. But I, I can say that. But I'm also fully conscious that, like, if you're a normal person, you will probably not like this movie. Hmm. But it's incredibly visually stunning, and if you want to be wowed even more, like go watch it. Um, Weathering with you is interesting because it sticks to the formula, but not quite as much. And again, I can't really say more than that without spoiling anything. But like, it's both very clearly part of the formula and trying to be something else at the same time. And I think maybe that's why it kind of fails. Yeah, I guess you should watch it first, then watch your name after if you haven't watched for your name. So at least it's a crescendo of movies, qualities versus... Nah, just skip weathering with you. (laughs) (laughs) It's not that great. Okay, okay, fair point. Oh, this is a point I want to bring up uh, just before we finish this. Um, Your name has some 3D rendered elements in it, whereas I believe 5 centimeters per second did not have any 3D rendering, or at least not any in the final product. Like They may have used 3D models to help draw the scenes. Um, but your name actually features 3D models in the thing. Weathering with you, I don't know if it's like because they were trying to get it out on a certain cadence and schedule. There is a lot more 3D stuff in Weathering with you, and I think that's why I dislike it visually. A lot of the 3D stuff that I see in the Shinkai films is really not impressive at all. Uh, and I mean, I understand you save a lot of time by just like modeling the thing once and animating the model, especially if it's like a big cityscape that is going to take forever to draw by hand. Like I'm fully conscious of all of that, but it just doesn't look good. So, I mean, like that, I think the extra reliance on 3D models and weathering with you really turned me off from a visual standpoint. And then the rest of the movie was not great. So it's like, yeah. Uh, one question that is unrelated to what you just said just popped in my mind is you were mentioning at the beginning that... Um, in a lot of Japanese movies, when they try to dub or even translate, they always struggle with some impossible-to-translate words, and you said that yes. your name was one of those. Uh, yes. Which word was that? Uh, well, or there's expression. the... Right. Uh, there's the... Well, the sake that she does with her mouth, there's uh, kuchikami sake, mm-hmm. uh, which is like, it's mouth, and then chew, and then alcohol together. Right, right. I don't remember the exact kanji for it. It might that middle kami might not be bite. It might also uh, chew. It might also be uh, god. It's because there's some spiritual element. It says here that kuchi means mouth, kami means chew, and zake means form of sake. Right? Okay. Okay. That that works. So, yeah. I wasn't sure which kanji it was, but like both are possible. There's also like some wordplay going on with Kataware uh, Doki, uh, which is the twilight right. or the magic hour. Yeah, they call magic hour where it's always referred as golden hour, usually gold hour. Yeah. Um, and Kataware Doki is the, like the dialect version in this movie, uh, which Kataware is when you're talking about a couple, it's half of the couple, like when they're separated. Mm. Uh, not separated in terms of divorced, but just separated in general. Um, right, just like, not so, geocally, next to each other more or less. That's what you mean. Yeah, like literally one half of the of the couple. So like there's that. And if you uh, turn it to what the actual word is, which is kawatare. Yeah, uh, kawatare toki. 
is like literally an allusion to what's his name, which is kind of fitting into the the theme. So it's like you're missing out on part of the wordplay that's going on. And like this shit happens in every piece of Japanese media ever because they have a rich language that they can use like this. Um, oh, uh, I don't think it's it is. Um, I think this is all this always happens when you translate localize. I guess we can bring this back to our typical tech topics uh, when something has been built with one culture in mind or not a culture in mind, but like one same amount of people from the same culture. There's like some wordplay that happens and stuff like that that are hard to translate or can be lost in translation more or less. Or like recently something that came up on the game forum I'm on is uh, I was talking about Shin Megami Tensei mm. and like the Shin in Shin Megami Tensei like the backstory to where the game came from is there was an old series called Megami Tensei, and they decided to remake it. Well, Shin can mean true. It can also mean new, depending on the symbol you use. Mm. So there's that sense. And the person I was talking to, like, didn't seem to understand that, like, yes, they're using the kanji for true because it fits into the mood of the game. But, like, everybody knows that it also means new. It's not, like, but, like, I mean people who don't speak Japanese have trouble understanding that the kanjis don't necessarily mean like you can use them for wordplay if you want to. Uh, so <laughs> it's tricky to under- to explain that nuance to people sometimes. Um, but yeah. Uh, so that's all I have to say about this movie. Um, it's really good. Yep. I should probably buy the Blu-ray for it. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> I don't have it. I should also buy the Blu-ray for five centimeters per second because I don't have that either. Yeah. Um, but I'm sure it's really good. I'm sure it's not cheap either, too. Oh, definitely not. <laughs> so uh, hopefully, maybe Yannick will be able to find a copy. Maybe that's what you decide to watch. Uh, so hopefully, remind, don't forget, put the appropriate uh, YouTube and iTunes ones. Uh, if you stick with us until the end, uh, op- no, not hopefully, I think, even <laughs> if you stick with us till the spoiler section, uh, I. it's hard to say that, but I guess I'll say it. If I were, if I would have been spoiled, I still think that this movie is so good, and there's so much stuff to enjoy, visually speaking, that it is worth to watch, even if you're spoiled, because there's something about the experience of enjoying this movie that cannot be spoiled in one way. For sure, part of it is the the plot twist or the the story plot right that if you know about it it's kind of uh, it removes something but i think there's still enough for you to watch if you were curious and just continue listening to our voices throughout the spoiler section i'm gonna borrow an expression from merlin mann back in like what 2006 on the 43 folders podcast or something that's it was like an old post podcast reference Yes, definitely. It's probably the oldest podcast reference we've made on the show. Um, he said, you can read as many books about sexual intercourse as you want, but it's never going to be a substitute for actually having sex. <laughs> oh, wow, that's perfect. I love you, Merlin. Yes, that's, that, that is also a so Merlin uh, comparison. Yeah. Okay. And on that note, let's wrap it up. Good. So, again, Yannick, don't forget... Put the right links yep. in the show notes, and if you're if you wondering where you can find the show notes, especially with the links to iTunes and YouTube's to watch your name, you can find them at 
limitlesspossibility.net slash 141, so 141. If you want to go to our back catalog of episodes and some of our episodes that are like this, limit pull reviews or limit pull watches, you can find it at limitlesspossibility.net. You can also find the show on Twitter at limipo underscore podcast. That's L-I-M-I-P-O underscore podcast. You can find myself on Twitter at Lucanoche. That's L-U-C-C-O-N-O-U-C-H-E. And you can find Yannick at Sakarina. That's S-A-K-U-R-I-N-A. And we'll see you in two weeks. See you in two weeks. Aside from the village of Itomori, every location in this movie exists in real life and is recreated to an unimaginable level of accuracy. Um, as someone who has been in Japan, like, all of the years in which this movie takes place... Fuck, that's a spoiler. I'm not going to say that in the real episode. I'm going to edit it out. <laughs> oh, no! <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> I'll cut it out. I'll cut it out. <laughs>